0: Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Write for Life podcast. I'm joined by M to the B to the P-O-E-T, Manuela Boyle.
1: That's a nice intro. Hello.
0: I spelled poet. <laughs> um, and uh, we're going to be talking about three different things today. We're going to talk about what it's like to start uh, a new and large and daunting project. Uh, and we're also going to talk about Unbound, which is a new website stroke service uh, for writers... And um, is going to be talking about UK's largest ever poetry festival planned for the Olympics. That's right. Um, Which I may have not just read off a headline on the piece of paper in front of us. Um, So first of all, let's talk about uh, starting new projects and specifically starting massive projects. The reason I bring this up, of course, is because I'm about to start in earnest, having just got myself married and uh, honeymooned and all that kind of thing. I I now need to start working on my second novel um, in earnest, properly. I've got lots of notes and I've got loads of ideas and all kinds of... I've even got paragraphs and the occasional sentence. Have you indeed? I have, but I don't think I could really honestly say that I've started it properly. I'm not spending, you know, I've I'm not, I'm not planned my time, that kind of thing. Um, but the reason I want to talk about it is because it's quite a daunting thing. I'm, I feel very daunted by it, even though I've already written a novel so I, I, it's difficult to um, remember and imagine what it was like when I was starting the first one
1: what's it like then what's it, what <laughs> does it compare to if you can think of some analogies or um, what, how, does it, how does it feel
0: um, it feels like I don't know if I have an analogy quickly to mind but it feel, the problem is it's very difficult to imagine an end to it yes. because you know that it's going to take so long to do that it's very difficult to imagine the end of a novel, because you know that it could be up to, I don't know, I mean, it's arbitrary figures, but it could be up to a couple of years. I mean, it took me much longer to do my first one, but hopefully I'll be a bit more uh, quick with this one. But I, hope, it's... You, I, I hope, for one, <laughs> hope you'll be
1: efficient. I'll definitely
0: be more efficient. But the problem is, it's, it's, it is not being able to see that end, uh, that end point, um, and and how to sort of deal with that really and there's also the case and I think, I think I'm slightly guilty of that myself at the moment because I've had the wedding to think about and because I've obviously been wanting to uh, work on right for your life and build up a, a bigger audience for that build a platform as they say there's kind of a, a part of me where it feels like I've been waiting for the perfect moment. I've collected my notes I've done that thing but it's almost like I'm waiting for this while I'll do it after the wedding or and I've had many other sort of pre, pre-wedding sort of uh, personal landmarks <laughs> But the truth is, there, there isn't really a perfect moment. That's kind of my point, and it, it'll never really arrive. You kind of just have to get stuck in and do it. And I think that's pretty much where I'm at now.
1: So Martin McCutcheon was wrong, in
0: fact. Martin McCutcheon was so this. She
1: sang of the perfect moment.
0: I'm sure there's one for all our US listeners. There's so a Martin McCutcheon reference you can Google. Her. Google it.
1: Google it. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, so yeah, so it's it's kind of daunting. And I think I think that the, the challenge is this idea of seeing, trying to see the end. Um, at the start so what I'm trying desperately to do this time because last time my, my, my first novel I kind of wrote as I went along I had the structure of doing my masters so yes, I, which was yeah. extremely helpful so mm-hmm. I knew that 10,000 words was my certificate level 40,000 was diploma and then there was my writing up stage so I had some very clear goals set out for me but I don't really have those now at all I have to do it myself so the, the, what I want to try and do is be better at envisioning how things will pan out I know that I'm going to write a second novel of course when I when I start to write my first one and lots of people who when they start writing uh, longer pieces of work I think a lot of people don't know that they're going to get to the end think oh I want to write a novel but god I can't imagine how many people actually start novels compared to those that finish yes. them much more I imagine but this is I'm a long way down my path now I've got an agent I've you know I've made a pretty big commitment that, that life you know I've spent the last 8 years Doing this thing, yeah. So I now know that I'm going to finish it. So it's, I guess, it, I feel like I'm, I have to be responsible and think. Well, I need to not necessarily put a deadline on it, but at least have that end point um, envisioned or sort of mapped out what it might look like, um, both in terms of the novel itself, but also in terms of where I might be in my life. You know, that and um, oh, I, I haven't got a specific example, but um, well, you know, whether I'll have kids or not, that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Because inevitably we've been married a week, so we're already, obviously already talking about. Of course, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's only natural, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed.
0: So it's it's that kind of thing, and I think that is one of the most difficult things. It's, it is incredibly daunting starting a large project, but it's um, it's trying to um, not necessarily plan meticulously and give yourself huge deadlines, but just to at least start with an endpoint in mind, saying, "I'd like to finish by roughly this sort of stage," and I think this is where I'll be in my life. And this is what my novel will be like. It, it'll. This is the kind of novel I want to have written by then. And those things will no doubt change as you go along. But
1: of course, I mean, what interests me about what you're sort of saying and, and kind of large projects. I mean, as you know, I, well, I, people might not know, but I've I haven't myself written a novel. I've tended to write poetry in the past and. You know, probably one of the reasons for that is because you get a quick <laughs> and immediate sense of achievement. Um, because I'm not a very patient person, so the, I have to say that the thought of, of making that massive commitment to go on a long journey and you don't know what the stops are and you don't really know what the destination is and you don't know when you're going to get there um, is terrifying, actually. But what interests me about what you're saying is that um, for, it sounds to me like you have started your second novel, actually. But it's this thought of making it an official start that's making an official start that is sort of holding you back. So I think you're being a bit hard on yourself, actually, because I think you have actually started from what you said.
0: Possibly, but maybe it's the... Um, maybe it is that... Pressure isn't the right word, but maybe it's the... Because I know that I'm going to finish one, I feel like I'm in a rush to start one. But, you know, all the, all the same... All the same um uh, obstacles, again, not the right word. What's the right word? All the same sort of life pressures that I had when I wrote the first one are still there. I still need to have a full time job because I haven't, you no. know, I haven't, I'm not making any money out of my first novel, and even if I were to, it wouldn't be enough to not have a job. And you've not would, got
1: a private income. I, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> would I, that that were the case? <laughs> I have no
0: trust funds, nothing like that. So it's, it's, at the moment, I see it being, you know, it is going to inevitably be written in a similar sort of way at weekends and in, in the evenings. And that's fine, you know, I'm kind of used to that. Um, but I think the thing that what what I plan to do, and this is kind of what I was able to do when I worked at my best when I was doing the first one, is, is to be good at splitting the work into chunks. So if you have this huge, daunting, sort of, I don't know, 70,000-word project that you know that you need to start, try forgetting that it's 70,000 words long and think, well, the first chapter will be a 1,000 words or... yeah. Or break it down, as a lot of people do, into writing so much a day or so much a week. Um, that kind of thing. So it's, it's a case of making an overall task seem more manageable by breaking it down into smaller tasks.
1: But do you think that those having those targets will make you feel better? or Because there's, there's other ways of feeling good about the task, isn't there? I, mean, I, I know when I've spoken to a lot of artists and writers before about the actual creative process. Some people talk about it in terms of pain, but obviously a lot of people get a lot of enjoyment out of it as well, depending on what sort of person you are and what the creative task is at hand. but So there's the kind of pleasure, perhaps, in, or satisfaction of knowing you're on track. But I imagine that's quite different from the sense that you'll be getting when you are writing all the time, of you know, creating your new book, creating your new work of art.
0: Uh, that's a good point. I do, uh, I do intend to enjoy the process, much more last time. Not that I didn't enjoy the process, but there were periods uh, of, uh, of writing where um, it just felt like the last thing in the world I wanted to do, really. Um, it was a long time
1: you were writing as well, wasn't it? It was over a long time because of, for the first novel, because partly because you had started it on your MA and then you obviously edited it and so on, so it was a few years you'd spent on the same project.
0: Yeah, and I, had, I went back to it quite a lot of times as well, so even after i got an agent... I I then went back to it and spent yeah. three months of just solid work. And actually, those three months I was probably the most fun I had on it, from, uh, at all. I would think now that was, is interesting. Maybe it was just because I got an agent, I suppose, and I felt pretty good. Well, about yes, it. But, <laughs> but, but but still, it's because I felt I don't know. Maybe maybe that gave me the confidence. But I felt that I got to a point with it. It was a huge, you know, it was a fairly significant piece of editing work. But it was um, I had the confidence. I felt like the changes I was making. I was making, I was in control of them. And I think that I will be part of enjoying, uh, trying to enjoy this novel more, is that I feel very confident in the sense that I know that, I know that, I can, it sounds stupid, but I know that I can write now. I know that I can write a novel. I've completed yes. one. I've finished it. I Don't know that head. I can yeah. do it. It might not be the first draft. I'm sure won't be, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be a brilliant novel, but what I'm saying is I've got the confidence that I know I can do it and that it will be, you know, the decisions that I make, based on having the experience and sort of knowledge of what works and what doesn't um so i'm hoping that i'll be i'll enjoy it because i'll be i I take a more confident approach to it and kind of you know just think if i have if, if i have a decision to make i'll just go well i'll make that decision that's the right decision to make that's the decision decision i want to make so let's do it and go with it rather than fretting about it and thinking you know spending up to you know weeks thinking you know have i done the right thing it's kind of being more um Authoritative with your own yes. with your own work, I guess.
1: Confident with, with it, and also knowing that actually the journey you're about to set off on is not a journey into a black hole or into the total unknown because you've done it once. Mm. It'd be a slightly different journey, but I guess. And when you talk to sort of talk about knowing what that novel will look like at the end of the process, it's kind of how many months to. First draft, really. I mean, I mean, obviously we're going to wind up in a second talk about the other things we plan to talk about. But it's a very interesting kind of topic. Um, do you find that actually before you start, you want to know what length of book you want to write? Does that does that come into it? The shape of it, the size of it, the scale of it.
0: It um, it didn't when I wrote the first novel. Um, did to a point. I, I wanted to write something with um, that was. Reasonably short, yeah. Um, and say reasonably short. I don't mean like a novella. I mean you know, sort of two hundred to two hundred fifty word uh, page, <laughs> page uh, book. Um, flash novel. <laughs> indeed, that'd be very flash. Um, but I have a much a much clearer idea this time of, of the type of writer I am, almost. You yeah, know, right. it's halfway through. my novel thought, you know, to sound slightly like a Ponce to have found my voice. Yes. Um, and I you think don't sound like a Ponce. I do sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I guess so. I, I, I will have a much better plan. I mean, I hadn't got a clue what the end was. I didn't really know what I was writing when I first when I first started when I started writing the first one. This time, I plan to be efficient, as you say, and to have um, to have had to have got a pretty good structure uh, from start to finish. Uh, Summarizing
1: chapters, plot, that kind of thing.
0: I think so. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I did kind of do that last time. I sort of worked a few chapters in advance, and I've got my sexy post-it note system that I've still not written about I've been saying I'm going to write about that for two years so I'm about to get that bad boy into action again uh, for this so I will have it yeah I'll have it mapped out um, yes. lo- loosely not not sort of rigidly because I mm. expected to change but I'll feel, I, I do want to I, I don't want to waste any time There's the, the problem the reason it took so long was because all these life pressures met, meant that whenever I came to, I, could, I could not write for two months not, not do anything on the novel for one reason or the moving house. could be anything. And then I would come back to it and I'd have to spend a week working out where the heck I was with it. Yeah, playing um, uh, catch-up, basically. Completely, and that is... I absolutely want to get rid of all that this time. By writing more regularly and, and just getting into more of a routine about when I write, but also um, uh, by having a, a, a fixed idea about what I not want the novel to be. Um, at all points well at the start I guess
1: that sounds like the wisdom of a writer who's already written a novel and knows themselves well have you got any other hot tips then to share with our our (laughs) listeners about about that sort of how to go about that big project and how to not feel overawed by the scale of the task ahead
0: Um, this has turned into an interview hasn't it I quite like it I'm being interviewed on my own podcast it's our podcast, not my own podcast, I'm sorry. Hang on a say. minute, there,
1: there's the door opening. I think I'm just going to nip outside and <laughs> never come back again.
0: Um, do I have any more hot tips? Uh, only not to panic. A lot of people mm. would get, I don't know, five ten thousand 10,000 words into a novel and think, God, this takes a long time, doesn't it? This is hard. And then just stop. But if it's something that you care about and you yes. feel like you've got an idea that's worth pursuing or you feel like you've got... You, you, if you feel like your writing's of a sufficient quality that, even if it doesn't feel like it, the story is forming, that it might do it in the future, is to uh, not panic about it and stick with it. It basically is perfectly normal to be terrified about writing a novel at any point during the process. So, uh, yeah, uh, stick with it and break it into chunks. I don't know if that's a hot tip, but I would say it's a tip.
1: It's certainly a tip.
0: OK, should we move on?
1: Let's move on, yes.
0: Hit us up with the... Uh, poetry festival stories.
1: Right, I will indeed. Well, there's obviously, it's we're getting into festival season and it's something we've talked about a bit before. We've talked about the hair festival and um, just the idea of, of literary festivals per se. But something that's caught my eye this week um, really was a, the um, promise of a huge poetry festival to coincide with the Olympics next year. And it's uh, catchingly titled um, The Poetry Parnassus to tie in with the Olympic theme details um, are a little bit sketchy about it at the moment which is a bit frustrating because of course as soon as I see something like this I think right wow how can I take part is there going to be you know, poetry slams can I actually participate as a poet and so on or how do I get tickets what's it going to work um, but it, it is a little bit sketchy but that's not to take away from the excitement anyway Because um, so basically the um, Poetry Parnassus is going to involve 205 poets from all the Olympic nations who are going to come together um, at the South Bank in London and make beautiful poetry from my gathering. gather um, so there's a nomination process which the public can get involved with um, globally to sort of nominate up to three poets from any of the Olympic nations. Um, and then eventually the organisers, um, which is a sort of panel that features Simon Armitage amongst other uh, poets, um, will decide on who will represent all the nations really next year. Um, yeah, it's, it's the idea behind it is to celebrate language diversity in a sense of global togetherness. And I quote, um, and it is really sort of interesting looking event, and I'm glad, obviously, that the arts and poetry, in particular, is, it has been singled out as something that is worth um, sort of bringing together and, and celebrating next year as part of the Olympics. I mean, some people I think might think, oh, it's a bit of a bit of a bolt on, you know, the sort of main focus is is, is sport, obviously, and and actually the sort of arts element to this is just sort of a bit of lip service. But actually, I think it's I think it's um it's a really good really good idea uh, to bring to, particularly the element of this is this different is bringing together poets from all the olympic nations and I think it could be a really sort of exciting and diverse way of hearing different voices that we've not heard before so
0: is there a restriction as to does it do all, does it all have to be in English because that's an awful lot of countries and that's an
1: interesting question what is the I imagine that the common language of the Olympics might well be English, but I don't know. That's one of the details that they've left out. That's a very valid point. I kind of think actually really, I mean it would be nice if in terms of performance, some of the um, poets from the Olympic nations where English is not a kind of common language, obviously, speak it in their mother tongue and then it's interpreted actually. That could be something that's quite an sort of interesting element to the event itself. Because it's obviously, poetry will have sound much different and have nuances in the sort of original language compared to, say, the translation into English. But then, interpreting poetry is a kind of, on the spot, I imagine, a sort of notoriously difficult uh, task for an interpreter. So, I mean, hey, I think we should email the organisers right now, Ian, <laughs> shall we? <laughs>
0: yeah, go for it. Um, what yeah, do I got, you think of it? I, it? It sounds like a, a good idea in, in principle. I... I i have some sort of concerns that it, well two concerns one that it's it's just a, a bit of a gimmick mm-hmm. um not not in a i say that but obviously any sort of publicity for literature of any kind at of these types of events it can only you know, it's a good thing isn't it so it sounds a slightly snarky of me to to say otherwise but it's um yeah it feels like i don't know poetry parnassus it's kind of you, it all feels a little bit too highbrow. It seems like a, the, the, the beauty of sport is that it's played by people across classes, across all boundaries. Um, yes. And the last thing that poetry... Fairly profound point, that. Thank you very much. The last thing that poetry needs is to, to sound um, even more sort of... Not that it... go oh go I'm getting myself into this sort of... Uh, out of my uh, personal um, territory here, but perhaps it's, it could be... I'm going to say poetry for the people. <laughs> Now I hate myself for saying that phrase, but it don't know. It just feels like it—it it needs to be a real community thing. It feels like that it needs to, like you say, not be a bolt-on, but be, become a, you know, potentially an integral part of the promotion and the and the way that the the events are marketed to, you know, not just uh, people who are interested in literature or poetry, uh, but you know, in schools, so get kids writing, mm. po- get kids in schools across the world writing poems mm. um, um, about the Olympics, about sport So it's not. It's not just, oh, we mm. happen to be doing this, like so many things with the Olympics, especially marketing and advertising, you know, so many things are just bolted onto the Olympics just because it's you know a good way of getting publicity.
1: Plus, so making it actually in some of these events are very top-down, aren't they? Yeah. Um, as exactly. you say, so it's kind of making it sort of more much more bottom-up, much more involving of of kind of of people in general. But also, clearly, I mean, this is it, it's in London again, so I get, what, where's the regional? Where's the regional sort of outposts for this? Oh bloody London! Not even outposts. That's so <laughs> I don't mean that. But you know, what's what are the regional poetry Parnassus festivals going to be?
0: Yeah, and it'll be it'll be interesting. It's obviously it's obviously got huge potential to be an extremely positive thing, and, and let's hope it is. I wish I'd never
1: mentioned it. now. <laughs> <way. laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 there's no way back for me in this particular podcast, but I will try and make up. Uh, Let's this, move on. Let's move on. The, uh, See
1: how I can snark about your uh, story. Okay, week.
0: that's fine. That's fine. All right, so our final our final thing I want to talk about is um, a new website uh, or service called Unbound. And that can be found at www.unbound.co.uk. And I first came across this um, via Twitter, via a uh, tweet by James Bridle. And uh, in it, he mentioned, and I think he, he he kind of then went on to explain that he didn't really actually mean that it uh, was exactly like uh, Kickstarter, which is what he said in his initial uh, tweet. But it's certainly an interesting idea. So the comparison between this and Kickstarter is um, obvious because it's kind of works in the same sort of way. So for those that don't know, Kickstarter is, uh, I think it's a US-only site at the moment. Um, and the idea is that if you have a project or a uh, product that you uh, want to Make usually so it's kind of if you have an idea and you want to get funding for it, then you can say this is my idea, mm-hmm. this is what I plan to do, and then you can offer various levels of, um, I guess it's kind of like sponsorship. And then so, for instance, um, one of the one of the most famous examples was something called a glyph, and it was basically an iPhone 4 um, piece of uh, <laughs> product that stuck on the end of a tripod, and it turned your iPhone 4 into like a proper camera, so you could have it on a tripod. And the idea was if you um, pledged £10, then you would get a glyph. You would get one of the products. If you pledged 20 I'm making these numbers up, but £20, then you would get the glyph, and you would also get some extras, etc, etc. So, so it's the, like
1: crowd-sourced funding for good ideas.
0: Exactly. Thank you for the pithy way of putting it. That's absolutely what it is. So Unbound, in principle, is the same for books. So the idea is that an author can pitch a novel or, a, or any kind of book, sorry, to um, and and offer various levels of, of um, sponsorship or, or pledges. So um, they'll have a page for their book on Unbound, and um, you can include a video and it explains what it's going to be about. And then, if, if you're interested in it, then you can pledge a certain amount, and you'll get depending on how much you pledge, you will get various things. So I can actually just check it. I've got it in front of me. So, for instance, uh, if you were to pledge ten pounds, you'll get a digital ebook edition of the author, of the book. Uh, and access to what they call the author's shed, which is kind of just a space that they have when they, um, what's they're writing it to give updates and, and videos and that kind of thing. Um, and your name in the back of the book. And then you can pay twenty pound for a hardback edition, fifty pound for signs seventy five pounds you get a goodie bag, one hundred and fifty pounds you also get go to the launch party, and £200, nice. 250 pounds if you pledge that then you get all of these things and uh, and lunch with the author imagine, imagine that. that so sounds fantastic and it's a great idea uh, I like the fact that it's different and it's innovative um, it's not like Kickstarter for one quite big reason Kickstarter anyone can pledge anyone can sign up as long as they're in the US can sign up got an idea and you know and ask for pledges um, this is at the moment very specifically for publishers uh, sorry for authors who have already published or have got agents so it's kind of not, not for anyone.
1: So it's professionalised, actually, a little bit already.
0: It is. Uh, they, it's, it's, they say in the in the FAQ that that's partly just because of resources and obviously wanting to keep up quality and that kind of thing. Yes. But So it's not like Kickstarter in the sense that not anyone can do it at the moment. But it's innovative, and it, to me that can only be a good thing. That that's The one thing with this entire e-revolution is that I desperately want Companies, publishers to be innovative about what yeah. they do. So instead of just seeing this as a new, as a uh, kind of an alternative way of presenting the same information so for instance if you have a novel just providing a text based version yep. sorry an electronic text based yep. version of the same thing is to try and do something different do something more interesting
1: Shape things up a bit yeah They'll exactly be on the obvious
0: exactly and to provide an experience I think that's the key thing that's the great thing about Unbound is this it kind of, it's a new way of connecting with the reader there's a sense of ownership for the reader if you've spent 20 quid on this book and you, you can see it being written you know, and get updates from the author, and and kind of feel like you're involved in the process. An entirely new and different relationship that a reader has with the it is with the writer. You've got
1: a real vested interest in the uh, development of that book, and in the sort of development of the author's career. So, absolutely. Mm.
0: And it kind of turns as as, a, as an, an author myself. It kind of turns, and in, in in a way, I think having a blog can do this as well, actually. But it kind of turns uh, having a reader into having a fan almost. So you're, instead of you having someone who you can actually, uh, who actually is a, does that make sense? It's yeah, so like it makes a,
1: perfect sense, yeah.
0: Someone who actually, you know, gives, who wants to read your work, but actually is interested in how it's done and, and where it comes from and that kind of thing. And, and has access to that type of information. So that seems like a, a pretty good thing.
1: And is that, that's a kind of UK based site
0: then, is it? This is UK based at the moment. I actually, good question. I'm not sure if they accept submissions from US based or or any uh, uh, foreign based authors. I'm not sure. I mean, I think there's, uh, hopefully this will grow and expand and be, mm. be successful, but I think successful sorry. but I think it's kind of perfect for people like like me, I guess, and other people that have already got a, I know that. I mean, I've got an agent, but if I didn't have an agent, there are plenty of, plenty of authors who don't have agents but have got fantastic popular websites and, and great ideas for e-books or other types of types of uh, non-fiction. So, for instance, the whole thing with my post-it note uh, um, idea, my system for writing my novel, which yeah. I've been meaning to write up for ages. Something like that to... I've got a ready-made audience at Write For Your Life that I could... I could say, you know, I, I, if you pledge 10, 15 quid of, or whatever it would be, then that will give me the space I could, <laughs> you know, like this, I could perhaps take a month off work and uh, and use that time to and that money to fund something that I wouldn't have done normally through my, you know, it's not my novel, it's not something I've done through my agent, but it's just something that I've done through my website, through having already got an audience, through already having kind of um, the foundations of uh, a readership for something like that that's the kind of thing that they read about already on my blog you would think that they would be willing to pledge to to have uh, kind of more of the same that, and support that kind of project so maybe but maybe that's um, maybe that's something that will come
1: I think it's a new way of, of working a new way of reading a new way of supporting writing yes. and I'll be really looking to see how that develops with a lot of interest
0: it's got a huge potential with a lot so, of interest um, yeah hope I it, hope, it, hope it works out I do have one very minor criticism. That's, so many writing sites have slightly dodgy design, designs. I don't want to upset anyone by saying that. Because I know the good folks at Unbounder did tweet me before this uh, podcast. So I don't want to, I don't want to upset anyone because I think it's an ace idea. But, and I'm no one to be saying that a website design is slightly childlike when you look at right for your life. I understand that. But I just you know, just think the design could be sharpened up a little. But yeah, great idea. A nice strap line, Books are now in your hands. quite like that.
1: That's a, that's a lovely strap line.
0: It's always good to end a podcast on a nice strap line, <laughs> even if it isn't your own. Thanks very much for joining me, Manuela.
1: Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been it's particularly outstanding uh, fun today, I'd say.
0: <laughs> Jolly good. And, um, and don't forget to uh, subscribe in iTunes and leave a review in iTunes. Rate tell us. Tell the world that we're brilliant because it helps in all kinds of ways. So uh, that's it, and we shall uh, speak to you next time.
1: Bye.